In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's an OAT special. I'm here with Fred Gretham. Fred, how are you? I'm doing great. How it's is actually everything? Gretham, Paul. I didn't want to correct you, but it's Gretham. Gretham, apologies. All right. I'm, I'm not the best of saying surnames, so I do apologize. I'm a, I'm a descendant straight from England with the hams. Okay. And whereabouts in England are you originally from? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm talking about my grandparents, great-grandparents, but we have that English name, Greetham. Excellent. And how's everything at the Orange and Brown uh, Report? It's going great. It's hopping right now, obviously, with all the excitement. We don't know how to handle a team that is promising. We, we haven't had a winning team, and as you know, since the team returned, other than the 2007 flash in the pan, the team that was 10 and six didn't make the playoffs. So they haven't had a winning season in 12 years. And it is kind of strange, Paul, that um, usually when you hire a new coach, you're starting over. This year, the Browns who haven't had a winning record, there's so much hype because of getting Odell Beckham Jr. and Olivier Vernon and Kareem Hunt and all the moves made that it's, it's, crazy you got a first year coach and he's almost expected to go to the playoffs or further and they haven't had a winning year in 12 years Fred you've really hit the nail on the head there not not many people have actually discussed it like that before but I think you're spot on there's a the expectations of a, a coach that's never completed a full season is so high well, you think about the Cavaliers. They hired David Blatt, who had never coached before in the NBA because they thought they were going to have a rebuilding team. And then LeBron James decides to come to Cleveland. Everything changed. They're expected to go to the finals. I mean, it was, it's, a, it's a different sport, but similar expectations. It's like all of a sudden now there's not a lot of room for air. I mean, if this team doesn't win double-digit games – It'll almost be like, oh, Kitchens doesn't know what he's doing, or the Browns are really failures when it's, you know, in the past, if you just had a winning year, it would be, it would be phenomenal. But I would temper expectations. I expect the team, you know, to challenge and, and, and really their best chance to make the playoffs is the AFC North. And I thought this year would be more of a building year, getting them ready to go to the playoffs. Um, in the future, but as far as um, when you look at it, if they can use this year to get them in position to play, you know, next year to go to the AFC Championship or even the Super Bowl, I, I would, I would um, temper the enthusiasm a little bit for Browns fans as far as expecting them to go to the Super Bowl this year with a second-year quarterback. That's fair enough. And Fred, you were at the OTAs yesterday. Let's start off with the offense. What were your highlights you noticed on the offense? 
Well, I think the most noticeable was focus on the guys not there. Odell Beckham Jr. was not there. Duke Johnson was not there. Jarvis Landry was there, but he's not practicing. But, of course, Baker Mayfield was. And, and it's hard to evaluate these guys in, in shorts, and they're just running around. They all look good. They all look athletic. Um, what caught my attention was Antonio Callaway, and I wrote a story on uh, the OBR.com. It's up there now for our subscribers. Um, is that I think he's the most under-the-radar guy on the offense because you have all this attention with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Antonio Callaway might be the fastest player, you know, on the team right up there with Denzel Ward and, and, and challenging Beckham, and you got him opposite of Beckham Jr. You're going to get double-team almost every – play on Beckham Jr. and attention on Landry underneath, I just think Callaway is primed to explode this year. I mean, last year, if you remember as a rookie, he didn't play the last year at Florida because he was suspended. And so he was working his way back into football shape all year, and he got better and better as the season went. And he made some really nice plays last year. And if you remember one, he went up and caught the ball in traffic. And I think he went for a touchdown. It got called back, but he displayed big time playmaking abilities. And I think with Mayfield's ability to get the ball down the field, I think this kid could really be, you know, the X factor for, you know, for the Browns. And, and that's not to say Richard Higgins also, but, but, uh, Callaway has that breakaway speed and I watched him yesterday and I wrote about him yesterday I asked Kitchen and Mayfield specifically about him and he just looks much more comfortable he looks more explosive bigger stronger and I just think you know obviously a lot can happen but I just think that he's got you know an opportunity to really be the the under the radar guy yeah if I'm correct, Higgins wasn't um, at the OTAs yesterday. Oh, he was there, but he wasn't on the uh, field. Is that correct? He was. He was there. He was on the uh, exercise bike. He had a wrap on his calf, or it looked like calf or lower leg. Um, in May, they're just keeping everybody out if they have anything. I don't think it's anything significant. Um, but yeah, he was there, and so was Landry. They just didn't practice. But, and uh, rest of the yeah. wide receivers, Ratley, did he look good? Yeah, he didn't really stand out to me. I mean, I didn't see anything that I said, wow. I thought Willie's, you know, is back from that broken uh, collarbone. And he got into a little skirmish with the defensive back. And um, Freddie Kitchens wasn't very happy with that. He went over and had a, a meeting with both those guys. And even in the press conference, he brought it up. And he said, we're not going to have any more of that. Ask me what happens the next time that happens. So I don't know if he's going to suspend them, throw them off the team or what if they get into a fight. But that's pretty much uh, commonplace in training camp as guys let their tempers go. But as far as, uh, yeah, Ratley, Willie's um, kid that caught a little bit of attention. He's an undrafted signing. Uh, Giuseppe Sheehy uh, hadn't played in a couple years, but – um, 
played at junior college. He's got blazing speed. He showed that speed, and he actually made a nice catch. A little smaller guy could be in the mold of a Tyreek Hill or, or even, you know, Callaway could be a guy as a returner. But, um, you know, for May, it was, it was just good to see him out on the field. I think the key is obviously Baker Mayfield. He's there. He's looking sharp. And if he can build on his rookie year, I mean, I think the Browns can go as far as he can go. Uh, any indication of how the O-line uh, lined up? Yeah, it was pretty much as expected. You had Hubbard at, at right tackle, and you had Austin Corbett in uh, Kevin Zeitler place and J.C. Treader at center, Batonio at left guard, and uh, Greg Robinson at left tackle. So, I mean, in May, I don't expect much moving around. Um, I wrote about this last week. I think the most underrated moves that John Dorsey made, he didn't make any marquee signings on the offensive line. But by re-signing Greg Robinson, I think that really bought the offensive line time. They can see if he was the real thing. He's only 26. If he continues to play well, they could extend him, and he can be the, the answer at left tackle. But by signing Eric Cush, Brian Witzman, and Kendall Lamb, those are three veteran uh, offensive linemen that all started last year for the Bears and the Texans. And if you remember last year, the offensive line was, if anything, was really thin in, in um, backups or, you know, they had Greg Robinson who went in, but Desmond Harrison started the first eight games. He's yeah. not even really in the picture right now. And their backups were Earl Watford and Kyle Kalis. So, Kendall Lamb could challenge Hubbard at right tackle. He could also back up Robinson and Hubbard. And then you have Cush, who started for the Bears. And Pro Football Focus, when they projected this year's starters, they have Cush as the right guard instead of Austin Corbett. They felt he was that good. He was, in the story I did last week, he, he had the lowest percentage of allowing rushers against him it was like 1.5 percent of the time so I think they got at least a good backup there if not a guy that will press Corbett and if he falters at all they can stick him in there you also have a coach who came into the NFL as a center there was some rumors a week or so ago about the Browns might move on from J.C. Treader um, and put Cush there I think that would be foolish at this point but you have you have a lot more options is what I'm saying. If somebody gets hurt, that's the one thing that could derail the season. Obviously, if, if Mayfield goes down, but if you don't protect him and he gets hurt because of that, you know, that could de derail the season. That's why it's good to have an offensive line depth so they can, you know, stick in there if somebody stumbles or somebody gets hurt. Fred, it's a really good point that our second O-line now could potentially be as good as some starting NFL first first um, first uh, O line. Right. I mean, as far as I'm not I'm not looking at any of these guys as Pro Bowlers, but they're adequate, capable backups. And I think Desmond Harrison, who was you know started eight games, might not he might struggle to make the team because not only did they sign Kendall Lamb, but they drafted Drew Forbes in the sixth round, who's a tackle. 
and that's a good move, I think, because you can develop him. He doesn't have to play right away. Um, and, and so you're building, you know, kind of maybe your backup or your future left tackle if Robinson doesn't pan out. And you also have options, you know, with, with the injury situation. So I like what Dorsey did on the offensive line. Obviously, he couldn't address everything in his first year. And I think this year what you really see is he addressed depth. They have much more depth. And what that will do is not only help them on offense or defense, but it will help them on special teams because your special teams are usually your 40 to 53 guys on the roster. And last year they were guys just coming and going all the time. Now with the players they brought in at the top, what you have is it pushes everybody else down the line and it makes your your special team stronger. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about our um, O-line and uh, uh, the Browns offense. One question I had for you, LJ Scott, he's, he's now left the Browns, if I'm correct. Yeah, it's a little strange situation. You know, they, they, they cut Devontae Mays and signed LJ Scott from Michigan State, who was undrafted. And uh, he wasn't on the field yesterday, and then it came out a little later that he decided that, that he's not going to play football. So, you know, maybe he just felt like the writing's on the wall when you don't get drafted and, and there wasn't a lot of interest in him and tryouts or whatever or what it is. But, yeah, it sounds like he's decided to uh, give up his career, at least for now. All right. And tell us the headlines of defense. How did that look? Um, excuse me, say that again. Uh, sorry, Fred. How did the defense look? Oh, defense. Um, yeah, I saw TJ Carey intercepted Mayfield yesterday on a sideline pass. And, and uh, that was – he didn't make a lot of plays, in my opinion, last year. And, and uh, I think by, by signing Greedy Williams, drafting him, and having Denzel Ward, that will eventually be your two starting cornerbacks. And I think that moves – uh, Terrence Mitchell down uh, to the third and, and uh, carry to the fourth. And he can also play some safety. So I like him more in that third, fourth in the slot. And I thought those guys looked pretty good. And uh, Morgan Burnett's out there running around. He's already shown leadership, the safety. Uh, Damaris Randall's out there. So the secondary looks much improved this year. Um, I still think the linebacking position could add a player too. They added two rookies and they expect them both to play. I think Taki Taki and Wilson, you know, will both uh, contribute. If one can, can be in the rotation, it'll be a big plus. If both of them can, I think it'll go a long way. But Gennard Avery, you know, he looks pretty good in his second year coming back. And Kirksey coming off the injury was back out there. Schobert as well. And then the the front four, I think, is going to be the the strength of the team with Garrett having a compliment over there with Olivier Vernon. We talked to him yesterday, and he's pretty impressive. And he's more in his natural position at 4-3. He was being played as a 3-4 uh, stand-up linebacker in New York, whereas he's more of a 4-3 defensive end. So I think that he said he's more comfortable, and we – and uh, he looked pretty quick and pretty good out there. And then you have Sheldon Richardson, big, big uh, gap space 
taker and and he puts pressure from the inside to go with Larry Ogunjobi. So I like what they've done there. And so I just feel that that will make the secondary look a lot better if you can get pressure from, you know, Garrett and Vernon. You know you're going to get it from Garrett, but I think with a legitimate pass rusher opposite of Garrett, I think that uh, Vernon could really have a big year. I thought Emmanuel Ogbo was going to have a big year last year, but he really only had like three sacks and didn't make the impact. That's why they went and felt like they needed to go get a pass rusher. So, yeah, again, it's the depth. And I think that a lot of the uh, – I like what they did in the draft. They addressed, you know, the secondary and the linebackers uh, with their first four picks, and that was really important. Uh, Nathan Zagur on Cleveland Browns Daily mentioned uh, Jermaine Whitehead looked really good yesterday. Did you see anything special from him? I did see him make a, a play. He showed up a couple times, and I think that he is a special teams guy, but I think there is some significance to Whitehead because of his history with the Packers. If you remember, he got released for committing a flagrant foul in a, in a game with the Packers, they released him the next day after he got ejected. Browns picked him right up. And when they, when they let, they traded Peppers, but they let Kindred go. That seemed to be a little strange when you let go your, your top two safeties. And I think part of that was, was Whitehead. They knew that they had a guy there that could play special teams and could also fill in. So yeah, I think that he's going to be in the mix as well. All right, Fred, let's talk uh, kickers. I heard that it didn't have a great day. Did you see anything? Yeah, I, I didn't see other than missed a couple kicks. Um, when, when you kick a guy or pick a guy in the fifth round, you pretty much assume he's going to make the team. I, I was all for addressing the kicking situation. I thought Greg Joseph, you know, did pretty well. He made 17 to 20 field goals, but if you remember and watch the games, sure, a, a, a win's a win, a kick's a kick if it's good, but they hit the crossbars, they were wobbly, they, they looked like some of your kicks I saw in your video. Hey, and, Fred, come on, mate, let's not get personal. Okay, okay. I take <laughs> well, as far as, but the telling sign with Joseph, he missed four extra points. He was 25 of 29 on extra points. Extra point is a 33-yard field goal. If you're going to miss that many of those, the most disheartening thing for a team on the upswing is to play your hearts out and lose the game on the last minute because your guy can't make a field goal. And so I felt they really needed to address it. I thought maybe a veteran or a younger veteran, restricted free agent, but all of those guys got re-signed by their teams. And I really expected Dorsey to – to if he didn't use a seventh round pick on a kicker, he'd bring one of the top ones in as during as a during a training camp. I didn't expect him to draft Seibert in the fifth round, but he's going to be your kicker unless he totally collapses. And so I just think you got to give him. It's kind of like anything golfing or whatever. You know, first time out, you might be a little in a new environment, a little bit shaky. We'll see what happens when they start you know, hitting it in training camp in the preseason. One name I would like to know anything about, Scottish Hammer. Did you see him yesterday? Um, I saw him out there. I didn't really – they didn't do a lot of punting when we were allowed to 
uh, take part. But yeah, he's he's an interesting story, and he can do a little kicking. Um, I've always wondered this with the rosters. You know, every roster position seeming to be so valuable. Why somebody, you know, doesn't take up being a place kicker and a field goal kicker and do them both. And then you don't have to have a kicker and a punter. And I think that guy can do that. And, um, you know, who knows? Britton Colquitt's been near pro bowl level kicker. He is a little older. They might choose to go with the rookie, save themselves a bit of money and, uh, and then develop him, you know, as a possible kicker or, or kick kickoff specialist as well. So he will be interesting to watch in the, in the training camp. And uh, he's got the name, that's for sure. Excellent. And um, Fred, tell us maybe one thing different this year from last year, OTAs, anything different in the air, the energy, the atmosphere? Well, yeah, the it's night and day difference now with Baker Mayfield when he was just kind of the guy standing over there and Tyrod Taylor was, was the leader and the, running everything and um, doing all the interviews. And, and so you can just see the tone is completely different. It isn't like who's going to be the quarterback, you know, those questions we've had for 15, 20 years. It's settled. You have your quarterback. And, and so everything goes from there. It just falls into place. I think Kareem Hunt, even though he can't play the first eight games to see him on the field, I posted a video of him catching a pass down the sideline. Last I looked, there was 10,000 or so views of it. Um, you know, he looks good. He looks the real deal and realized that he had, you know, there's a reason he got cut. Um, but he could be a tremendous shot in the arm to the Browns in the second half of the season, you know, when they're trying to make a playoff run. And, and so when you put a lot of those things together, I just think the offense – will build and, and, and pick up where it left off last year. And then the defense is really where I think they made their biggest improvement. You know, adding, as I mentioned, Richardson and Vernon up front and then some secondary uh, presence and veterans. And, and you got Steve Wilkes. His fingerprints are all over the defense. I think that it bodes well for the Browns. So, yeah, I think it's a much more upbeat tone as it was last year with a lot of – you know, uncertainty. Well, Fred, thank you so much for giving me uh, an insight and the listeners an insight. Where can people find your details online? Well, if they get on, just easiest way to find me is on Twitter at Fred Greetham, F-R-E-D-G-R-E-E-T-H-A-M. Or they can go to clee.247sports.com. Or even theobr.com will get you there as well. All our stuff, all our stories. We got everything that happens with the Browns on the website, and I pretty much have everything on on Twitter that I either post the videos myself, the interviews, or or retweet what our other writers are are saying and and writing. So check it out. Thanks so much, Fred. And Fred, when are you gonna come to England? Hey. And well, you have me, you know, we'll do a Browns backer deal sometime over there. Excellent. Well, it'd be great to have a pint with you over in England. Maybe in the next two, three years, the Browns will come back over. But if we're doing well, I can't see it happening. Well, it'll be interesting, you know, as far as all the primetime games this year. Excitement's in the air, you know, and I think that's what Freddie Kitchens, everybody's trying to 
downplay it is that we haven't done anything yet. And that's true. They haven't had a winning season. It's like I said at the beginning of the show, it just seems like, you know, expectations are sky high. Let's just have a winning record. Let's win the division and then go from there. And I think that's, that will be exciting for everybody. It's just that the Browns are relevant again. Excellent. Well, Fred, thank you very much for your time today. And I look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Go Browns. Go Browns.